0: Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Um I fell in love with Arizona when I came here the first time in 1992, and I've lived here for 29 years. And uh, its connection to history, its desire to remember the history of the state of Arizona, the USS Arizona, the commemoration. If you've not been down to Wesley Boland Plaza and seen the honor of the USS Arizona, you need to get down there and see it. Well, there is a new generation coming. There is a new nuclear submarine that's being built, the USS Arizona, it will carry on the name. And joining us right now is the captain of that vessel. Captain Tom Deegan is with us. Uh, Captain Deegan, thanks for doing this.
1: Oh, thank you. This is uh, it's uh, fantastic to be here in Phoenix and in Arizona. It's, uh, this week we're doing Phoenix Navy Week, uh, and it's uh, for my members of my crew. We have five people here. Uh, it's our first time that this people stay in city. And uh, coming from uh, Groton, Connecticut, where we're based out of right now, it's uh, snowy and cold, and uh, we love coming to Arizona in February, it's fantastic. <laughs>
0: yeah, we call this Chamber of Commerce weather. This is the time of year we live here for. Uh, let's talk about the connection. How much of the how much of the history of the US Arizona did you have to know, or did you want to know with the creation of this new vessel, the connection and history of that?
1: Yeah, so we are—we're the first warship to be named after uh, number one, the great state of Arizona, but first warship since uh, December seventh, nineteen forty-one, uh, the day that Olive and Infamy, when the battleship was, uh, you know, attacked, and eleven hundred and seventy-seven uh, sailors passed that day. So we're the first one to be named Arizona since that time, and it is an honor and a privilege to be, uh, and really special and unique for our our Navy Command. It's been over eighty-two years. And um, it's just uh, it, it's incredibly special. So we, we take a lot of time to train on the history to make sure everybody that comes a part of our command knows the past uh regardless of where they're coming from in America great Americans serving their country in the navy you know we all get they make sure they're educated on it and then we also um we go and make sure we you know uh honor our heritage um through many many ways but, um, one of the last one of the re- most recent ones on this um, past december seventh nineteen forty one we got to go to washington d c and I uh, did a couple of things but one of the most special things was we got to go to the tomb of the unknown at Arlington National Cemetery in wreath in honor of the um the eighty unidentified uh mm-hmm sailors that, that passed that day that are buried at uh, Punchbowl National Cemetery on a lot of so it's a huge part of our, um, our command, as it should be. Um, and it is just, it's, it's a great honor to be the first Arizona since then. Um, we are uh, new construction right now. So, yeah, we are a nuclear power submarine, um, uh, one of the newest ones, SSN-803. Uh, we're being built by a company called Electric Boat in Groton, Connecticut, and uh, we manned up our command about 10 months ago. Um, and since then, we've been uh, training and getting ready to, uh, you know, to take every. As soon as that electric boat kind of gets a portion of the boat ready, you know, we uh, certify it, test it appropriately, and take, a, take ownership of the Navy one piece at a time until eventually the whole submarine is, uh, you know, taken over. Uh, is ready for the Navy to use. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it's great, uh, and, and it's great to honor the heritage, but also just to be in Arizona this week again—the first time we've been able to visit the state uh, it's, 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 it's wonderful. So
0: before we talk about the event that's happening that you're here for, um, I want, I'm just curious, what were the qualifications? What was the process of you being chosen as the captain of this vessel?
1: Well, you know, it's, uh, similar to, uh, to other submarines, right? So we are a submarine, uh, that's a style of worship. Last one was a battleship. We are a submarine. It's. Uh, um, and uh, fast attack submarine because there's multiple styles of submarines so just the uh, the submarine selection process is know uh, it's uh, you have to be you serve, you serve for a long time done multiple sea tours and shore duties so this is my fourth sea tour or fourth submarine I've been a part of I've been uh, operational for all my last tours' did multiple deployments in all areas of the world uh, but but yeah it is a pretty uh, they, they vet you very uh significantly so. Uh, there's you know a training pipeline where you have to be proficient in both the engineering side and the tactical side of things uh, go through uh you know leadership reviews and um it's uh and then just uh, get trained to be what's going on in the fleet uh just on the most you know the, the latest updates and stuff so you're ready to take command but um but yeah it's 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 a pretty strong vetting process not everybody. Uh, uh, it's you know it's a lot of sacrifice that we do um, for just to serve, and it's an honor and a privilege. And uh, you know, going on those deployments and stuff like that, and moving uh, for me, I've moved every time, moving every two to three years. It's it's great. I've uh, seen a lot of the world, and uh, it's it's great to be the CEO of Arizona. I couldn't I couldn't ask for a better command to be part of.
0: Captain Tom Deegan is joining us. He is the captain of the USS Arizona, the commanding officer of the USS Arizona, a nuclear submarine that's under construction. So let's talk about the event. What can guests expect from the event that's happening?
1: Yeah, uh, Phoenix Navy Week is this week. It's uh, February 26th through March 3rd. Uh, There are over 100 events throughout the greater Phoenix area. Uh, and we're all, there's, a, there's multiple entities um, everywhere from us to uh, the kind of a, the namesake, Arizona, USS namesake, um, submarine, also f- uh, from two surface ships, the USS Gabriel Giffords and Austin Austin, some from the Constitution are here, but lots of entities from the Navy are here. And we're here to teach the people of Phoenix about their Navy, you know, who we are, what we do and where we're going. So, um, you know, 90% of uh, trade travels by sea and 95% of the undersea cables transfer data. Uh, uh, through the sea, and then uh, both are protected and maintained by your U.S. Navy, um, you know, to you know, if you if you're into the STEM um, education and supporting the community, we uh, you know we are the STEM military branch of choice. So, uh, you know, if, you, if you're thinking STEM, you should think Navy because there's lots of opportunities there, especially specifically in submarines. That's one of the most complex machines that we build uh, as mankind. So that's um, so it's an, it's it's a great opportunity there. But uh, yeah, lots of sailors participating from different commands from Florida, California, Connecticut, all over America. And uh, a full schedule can be found at uh, outreach.navy.mil for the events this week. Um, some major ones. We already got to uh, hike Piestewa Peak in Phoenix. Beautiful this morning. We just finished that this morning. So that was fantastic. And then uh, there's going to be some performances by the Navy band, Southwest, uh, Wednesday, at a car show concert series at 5 p.m. and Thursday at 7 p.m. And um and, and other events like that, and uh, so a lot of com relevant yeah. to you know volunteer activities, working with boys and school, boys and girls clubs and schools, and. Um, and, uh, for, for example.
0: So. Well, I hope you get a chance to experience some of the veteran uh centric uh people here in Arizona. Paestua Peak of course named for Lori Paestua, who was the first Native American woman killed in combat. She was killed in Iraq and that was named uh, in her, in her honor and there's uh, so many so much of that here in Arizona to celebrate the history of the military, the sacrifice of the men and women like yourself and and I hope you get I hope you get to feel a little bit of that embrace while you're here this week because it is something very special and you Here in Arizona.
1: Yeah, I think that's, and that's what we've known, even when we all got orders to the the submarine Arizona. It's like, you know, we're just really proud to be such a great state, a patriotic state. And, um, and and just really great to be here for the first time to experience just the culture and, and life and the the patriotism of the state and the city of Phoenix.
0: Well, Captain Deegan, I appreciate the time today. I wish you well, and I'm glad you're here in town. And I look forward to learning more about it during Navy week. And we'll, uh, and I hope to talk to you again sometime.
1: All right, thanks for having
0: me. All right, thanks, that is Captain Tom Deegan. Now, just in case, you, at at 545 and 615, drill team performances will be one of the highlights of the USS Arizona Legacy Foundation launch event, which will usher in this new ship. The evening events will take place at the Arizona Heritage Center, that's 1300 North College Avenue in Tempe. The USS Arizona Legacy Foundation is an organization honoring and expanding and nurturing the memory of the USS Arizona, so that is one of the big things that's happening, and it's kind of cool that the namesake is is gonna continue on in the next generation with a nuclear submarine. So I just thought it'd be interesting for you to catch up on and hear a little bit more about. What we're gonna do in a moment, like we do every day at 1120, is a segment of the show we call, Did You Hear This? It catches you up on the biggest news stories that have been going on all morning long. So stick around. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get caught up on the big headlines and news stories. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories.
2: Former President Donald Trump had a decisive victory in South Carolina's primary, effectively locking up the GOP presidential nomination for 2024 while Nikki Haley lost her home state by 20 points. ABC's new ABC News political director Rick Klein says that the loss is most likely too much for her to overcome. There's
1: no way that Donald Trump won't be winning big over the next week or so, uh, and Nikki Haley has no realistic way of catching up. She is not going to overtake him in the delegate count. She is not going to be the Republican nominee unless something huge happens to either Donald Trump or his campaign. Is
2: it worth it for Nikki Haley to stay in the race?
0: I mean, at such a... Um, That question can be asked so many different ways. In her mind... does she believe she can still win this? Is she doing the right thing by giving Republican voters an option? Then yeah, the answer is yes. You stay in as long as you can. But she's got financial backers jumping ship. She's down by big numbers. So in the end, if if it's inevitable, how much longer is this just about your personal desires versus what America needs to unify and move forward? Those are the questions she has to answer internally. But it looks more and more as every day passes like the nomination is going to be wrapped up by the former president. But Let's just talk really quickly. When they say unless something dramatic happens, what would happen if there was a conviction in one of these cases against the former president? Would that change the minds of enough voters to flee in the other direction? Is that what she's looking at the possibility of? I don't know the answer to that either. But could something dramatic happen to change the minds of people? That's got to be something she's considering, too.
2: For the fourth time since September, there are renewed concerns of a looming government shutdown with critical deadlines approaching in the next two weeks. I mean, one deadline next Friday, the next deadline the week after that. We don't know what the path forward is. Lawmakers in the House don't even get back into session until Wednesday. And there could be real impacts. Potentially air traffic controllers working without pay. Programs at the VA halted. What does a government shutdown mean for Arizona?
0: That's a big question as well. These are the things we talk about all the time. Isn't it interesting? There's two examples. Can you imagine that when the government talks about these shutdowns, they make sure that they continue to pay essential workers? How is it that VA programs are not deemed essential? How is it that air traffic controllers are not deemed essential? I don't know how much of this is a scare tactic because, you know, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Make them work without pay? What if they don't show up for work? All of these things, we know that they could kick the can down. They may get some kind of a continuing resolution. We don't know if they're going to do that again. In the end, are they making any significant changes to how they spend our money so that we're not watching ourselves sprint to a debt that's insurmountable according to other people? I don't see that happening at all. That's as big a concern to me as what would happen in a shutdown. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at 1120 to catch you up on the big headlines.
2: The United States Supreme Court is hearing arguments today on laws passed by Florida and Texas aimed at limiting online censorship.
0: The case involves state laws passed in the wake of the social media company's decision to ban Donald Trump after January 6th. The question for the court, does the First Amendment prohibit states from having power over the online firm's policies? Or do the nation's free speech traditions require that
2: the companies permit political views to be shared without censorship? What could these rulings mean for the First
0: Amendment? Yeah, this could be, these are serious Implications. I will tell you that I am a, a business advocate in this sense that if you own something, you can run it the way you want. You have the right to refuse service to anyone and I stand behind that. The question here is, are you going to allow one person to do it that you agree with and another person that's doing the exact same thing on the other end of the spectrum to not do it? Those are the issues. Are you going to kick somebody off for a political view you don't agree with and you call hate speech? And I think the Supreme Court has got a big decision to make because the one place where the First Amendment is still alive and well is a lot of these platforms. Some of the most horrible things you see and read are on social media platforms in the minds of some. So if I read it and I'm offended by what they say, why can't I have them kicked off when someone I might agree with, they kick them off because they're not agreed with by other people that call it offensive. That's what they've got to wrestle with. The First Amendment has got to be the cornerstone of what we have in our country, and that is the ability to express ourselves without government interference. Is this government interference or is this government mandating fair play that if you're going to allow one political speech, you got to allow another? If you take one political ad from one political party, you've got to take it from everyone. Those are the questions they have to wrestle with all the time. This one is going to be huge. Arizona
2: Congresswoman Debbie Lesko joined the show today to explain why she is choosing to leave Congress and share part of her frustration with the current state of Washington, D.C. and the Republican Party. I wish we could unite because the Democrats, so they also have differences, but they always unite around a cause to push forward their radical agenda. And I really think Republicans need to do a better job of trying to unite. How can House Speaker Johnson unite his party?
0: I think that- it's going to take more than just the speaker. I think it's going to have to be a fraud. People have got to take a deep breath. You're not going to get everything you want, and you're going to go in during a session of Congress and say, I wish we could have gotten this, this, and this. But because of the makeup of what we have, and I'm talking about within your caucus, we can't get that done. We have got to make some changes so we can get more of our agenda pushed forward. That's how one part of the caucus or the other moves their agenda forward. It's not an all or nothing. You don't stomp your feet and hold your breath and that's the appearance that congress as a whole is giving but inside the republican party you've got such division because you've got some members that say absolutely not and the other ones that say if you don't do it i'll never speak to you again and it's dysfunctional and they have to get past the appearance of dysfunction and show the american people that they can work together if they can do that you can make inroads but until you stop with this all or nothing mentality nothing gets done and public opinion continues to drop on what you're doing Welcome back, Julia. Thank you. We are glad you're back. I appreciate that. Um, So we will get this done again tomorrow at 1120. Coming up in a moment, um, we are going to talk about our economy, the, the, the continued growth in Arizona, but also some of the things that now the world is reacting to some of the U.S. policies, what that means for national security and economic security in the U.S. We'll get to that next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Um, Always good to have you with us for just a short time uh, while you're cruising around. Interesting question. I want to get to some policy stuff, get to about jobs. I talked about this with the federal government and jobs going viral in a moment on TikTok where people that are being laid off in the private sector, are. it's dawning on them and many of the people in Gen Z are looking to the federal government and local government, but federal government for jobs, finding out that the government pays a lot. They give you a lot of sick time off. You can adjust your schedule. So all the things you'd like to have with a private employer, the government magically with its trillions of dollars in debt is doing this for the employees and pulling them out of the private sector job market. I'll get to that in a moment. Get back to it. Well, there's a great question, and this was from TheHill.com. It was where I pulled it from. Do I have to pay taxes on my Venmo cash app or PayPal transactions? As you know, it was very unpopular, and it's been postponed. The This administration and the Congress passed a – or previously passed a uh, piece of legislation that would reduce – the way it used to be is the threshold was 200 transactions or – worth more than $20,000. So you had to have 200 transactions worth more than $20,000 in order for your pay app income to be reported in your taxes. That was going to be reduced to $600. That's all those people with a side hustle, all the people working usually a full time and a part time job with a side hustle online using a cash app to collect payments. They were going to reduce that number to six hundred dollars. So, so much for being promised by this administration when he was running for president that if you make less than four hundred thousand dollars a year, your taxes wouldn't go up because that's not true. This blows that out of the water. Well, this was confusing and immensely unpopular. So now they're gonna stagger it in. Interestingly enough, it's gonna be staggered in over the next few years when there's a fair chance this president won't be president again. But it is going to say now they're lowering that number to I think $5,000 to begin with. Yeah, a threshold of $5,000 for this tax year for 2024 and then $600 limit going into effect in 2025 or for tax year 2025 which would be in 2026, meaning the business transactions that surpass $600 will trigger a 1099K form, which Venmo, PayPal, or the cash apps will have to create. So the reason why I bring this up is here we have a time, I'm gonna give you a compare and contrast. We have a time where the average American family is spending much, much more, 19, 20% more money now than they did just a few years ago for the same lifestyle. Same food, same shelter, all of it. And here in the state of Arizona, our government said, we collected taxes from you and we can give some of that money back to you because we know families need it. So we're going to give you back some of your money. And they did. It wasn't a handout from the government. It was you paid us more money than we need in taxes. So if you're a family with children, we understand it's difficult. Here's some of your money back. What's fascinating is the federal government wanted to tax that, or wants to tax that, not wanted, wants to. The Attorney General, who is a Democrat, um, it's just worth noting because I'm talking partisan politics, she is suing on behalf of you to try to get the government to stop this. But here you have people and generally speaking, not solely, I mean, I use uh, pay apps to pay people all the time. It's just an easy way to transfer money to someone. But there are some people that are out there that are trying to make ends meet. And as a side hustle, they do this or they do that and they collect money through these cash apps. Well, now you're going to be required. And this is part of when you say wealthy people should do this and wealthy people should do that and tax the rich. Now you're going to see, unfortunately, you're going to see some of the paperwork and red tape that other people have to jump through in order to satisfy these needs. The government is going to now do this. They're dropping it to $5,000. That's 500 bucks a month, less than $500 a month. So if you have a side hustle and you're making a little money extra so that you can survive and live a little bit of a life, you know, go out once in a while. And so you've got a little side business going on. They're going to start collecting from you. It's one thing where the government is turned into, in my opinion, has turned into this black hole where it is it is sucking so much of the money out of the American economy because it has become so big and so bloated that it can't help it. It's running at such a deficit that it's desperation. No business could survive the way this is happening. It would have to be completely restructured in order for it to survive if it was going to survive. And they are just doing everything they can to draw more and more out of it. Now, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's right for the American people. I wanna get back to the business side of this. So, you and I pay taxes. If you've never been a small business owner, it's frustrating because um, small business owners are furious about a lot of these things. And I'm going to talk more about education in, in them before we finish the show and how it pertains to small business. But, on TikTok, there are videos that are going viral as uh, people that are being laid off of jobs in the private sector are figuring out, get a job with the federal government. They've got a pension plan. They've got 13 sick days a year. They've got paid holidays. You've got a flexible work schedule and the pay is really good. It's higher than the average job in whatever industry you were in before. So it pays more. It's got a great benefit package. And I look at that and I think that's, again, is part of the problem. I'm not being grudging anybody a living. But if you've looked at job growth over the last few years, you know that the government last year grew at a much faster pace than it did the year before. That at a time when we are seeing deficits that everybody across the board is saying is unsustainable. When I say across the board, you've got the head of the Fed, Jerome Powell, that has said it. You've got private industry, the former CEO of Home Depot that said it. You've got the Congressional Budget Office that has said it that way are on an unsustainable fiscal path in the United States. They've all said it. And yet we continue down this road where the government continues to grow. And how unfair is it? And I do think this is so unfair to the small business owners that are out there. The small business owners that want to take care of their employees, they feel a really sense, big sense of responsibility to the families that they employ, understanding those paychecks, feed their employees' families, and they want to do the best they can for them. They'd love to be able to provide a benefit package where it's not costing an arm and a leg for health insurance. They want to be able to do these things. But because of the profit margins and because of the amount of taxes that they pay, and everything else and what it costs to do business, they're unable to provide that kind of a benefit package. And then what a slap in the face it is that the very government that they pay taxes to has the audacity to offer these glowing packages for for um, compensation because they're doing it with your tax dollars. Shouldn't that money be transitioned to the private sector and let the private sector be the bodies that give the best benefits and the best compensation and the government is a place that you work when you can't work in the private sector instead of the other way around. Wouldn't that be a better country? I think it would be. You know, we don't pay the military anything. Entry level, and there are just as the dirty little secret. If you are someone that's uh, that knows about the military, entry level families in the United States military at times find themselves having to use food stamps because that's how little they earn. And you've got these other government packages with these other jobs. It's crazy. Coming up in a moment, we talk about the value of education in the minds of over 70,000 small business owners across the country. That's how we're going to close it out. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, I'm going to start with a disclaimer. I am certainly not against the college education. Certainly not at all. I think it is admirable. I wish I had a college degree. I do not. But I'm living proof that you can be successful if you work hard and you get a skill. You have to have a skill. And I did. I got a skill in the trades as an electrician. I say that to give you this headline. Most companies say, a college isn't worth it for their employees. The value of a college degree might be disappearing in the job market. A new study surveyed 70,000 small businesses, and the uh, oh, this, according to the Freedom Economy Index, which run is run by. Job recruiting companies. Um, they, when asked if institutions of higher education were graduating students with a with the, here's the the what they wanted relevant skills that today's business community needs. Sixty seven percent said strongly no. Another twenty four point four percent of employers said somewhat no, and only eight point seven percent said somewhat yes, strongly yes, or other. of employers said this. Now, this is not an indictment of a college degree, but it certainly is an indictment of the college experience, isn't it? If, employers and everybody out there, if you happen to be, I don't know who would be out there young enough for this to matter to, uh, you know, they're probably still in high school, but it needs to matter to those people. When you are planning out the next part of your life, when you are figuring, and this is not about, it is about what do you want to be when you grow up, but this is about what do you want to do with your life? What, what interests you? There are many of you out there that are gonna go into career paths that you absolutely understand that a college degree is necessary. And I think that is fantastic. But for those of you out there that think, well, I'm gonna get a college degree and then I'll figure it out. I think you better start looking at the educational landscape. Small business owners out there that are hiring employees are saying, we've got people that come to us with a college degree that do not have any of the skills that we need in our company. So what what is the degree worth to you? I'm not talking about lawyers or accountants or nurses or school teachers. I'm talking about the people that are not going in the direction of an, where that degree automatically applies to what you're going to do. And that is is huge. Uh, the shift indicates a need for higher education institutions to evolve, integrating more practical real-world training into their curricula. If this shift continues, companies might redefine their hiring criteria, focusing on skills and experience over formal education or qualifications. I will tell you, that is in the world I can that and maybe that's just why this is such a big deal to me. Everything valuable I learned about my trade, I learned from someone who taught me on the job. I learned to be an electrician on the job from an electrician. I learned to be a project manager and an estimator and bid work and collect money and manage a project and everything else from someone who did it before me, that sat next to me and showed me how to do it, that checked my work and watched me manage projects and watched how I managed change orders and how we spent money and the things that we were doing. That is how I learned my trade. I did go to schools. I've mentioned this before. I did go to the classroom to learn things, but I was on the job when I showed an employer my resume. When I went to get a job, they looked at where have you worked? Have you worked on this before? Have you worked in clean rooms? Have you done transient voltage surge suppression and clean power and uh, isolated grounds? And have you done these things? When you have that skill set based on experience, that's valuable. I'm telling you, I think the education world is in for a huge shift in the next couple of decades. It's why in Arizona we call them CTEDs, Career Technical Education Districts. It's why they're so popular for high school kids, giving them practical experience into a career path. And unless you see a shift in higher education, this is what the new generation of skilled employees, this is where they're going to come from we are just about out of time. We'll be back again tomorrow morning, just after eight o'clock. As always, I want to say a big thank you for spending part of your day with me, however much you did. I look forward to talking with you again tomorrow. Hope you have a great rest of your day, everyone. God bless.